Welcome into episode 51 of the Gunfighters Podcast. Chase Thornton, Jeremy Law, Lester Mitchell here with you tonight. Alabama following a uh, a 59-3 win over the New Mexico State Aggies. Uh, turned their attention to the Arkansas Razorbacks coming in. Senior day for the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide. Guys, you know, probably not, not a lot of seniors going to be recognized. This team isn't like a lot of other teams in the country where, you know, they have, had a bunch of guys use the COVID eligibility rule and they're going to have – you know, 14, 15 seniors uh, in the start in 22, you know, teams like Kentucky, Georgia, Auburn, you know, teams like that. Not a lot of seniors uh, that start for this Alabama Crimson Tide, but, you know, nonetheless, it's going to be senior day. But recapping the uh, the New Mexico State game last weekend, Bryce Young absolutely on fire. First half, 21 out of 23. Should have been 21 out of 22. But Jaleel Billingsley decides to drop a touchdown on the first attempt. And then, of course, they went right back to him because it's New Mexico State. And I guess they're trying to do whatever they can to get that guy some confidence. But uh, we'll touch on that in a little bit. But, Lester, let's start with Bryce, man, because, you know, this dude broke his own completion percentage, you know, despite the drop from Jaleel. Broke his own uh, his own completion percentage record that he set against, was it Southern Miss? I cannot remember. Um but uh, anyway, you know, 270 yards, five touchdowns on the first half. He played <clears throat> played one series in the second half, got rocked a couple of times. Nick Saban did the right thing, getting him out of the game. Um, you know, Brian Robinson, nine carries, 99 yards. It's an absolute shame that Saban went out, give him one more carry so he could get to the century mark. But uh, and then, you know, Jameson Williams, man, 100, 100, 158 yards, three touchdowns. He continues to improve and be a huge asset to this offense. But let's start with Bryce, man. Just talk about not only what he was able to do this game, what he's been able to do all season with that lackluster offensive line that we're going to talk about in a little bit. Yeah, man. I'm not sure – I'm not so sure what this team looks like if they don't have an absolute phenom, um, a superstar, um, a future first-round draft pick leading this team. And, I mean, I say that I don't know what this team looks like with Mac Jones leading this team. You know what I mean? Thank God, you know, Bryce is just special. Dude has all the intangibles that you would want um, from a quarterback. And cool, comma, collected. Um, wish I'd see him get more fired up. This offense line is screwing up. But, um, man, you, you, you can't help but love the kid. And, Geez, I'm glad we got him in Tuscaloosa for at least next season, you know. So he guy's yeah, truly special. I mean, I think he's more talented than Mac. Um, certainly I think he's more talented than Tua. Um, certainly more durable considering some of the shots that he's had to take this year. So yeah, I'm I'm just glad we got this special kid um leading this team, you know, through November and hopefully to the SC championship and to the playoff. Hope you're knocking on some wood there, talking about that durability factor, because he he did, you know, took a shot against LSU, took some shots against Mexico State uh, early in the second half on his lone drive that he played. But, um, you know, going back to the ground game, J-Law, uh, you know, it, it is New Mexico State, but you do, you know, you, you were looking forward to Alabama getting back to the ground game and, you know, maybe – establishing the run uh, and getting some confidence there. And it really didn't happen. And that's one thing that we noticed early. I was like, by the third drive, I texted you guys. I'm like, Bill O'Brien's just bailed on the run. He's like, and, and I was like, you know, if you really think about it, you're not, if, if you can't run on LSU, you're not going to be able to run on Auburn. Um, and they don't have a great run defense, but LSU didn't either. They're one of the worst in the country, one of the worst in the SEC. You're not going to be able to run on Auburn. You're damn sure not going to be able to run on Georgia, who's the number one rush defense in the country. So might as well work on it. Uh, is that the approach that we're kind of leaning towards here after watching this in Mexico State first half? Yeah, man, I don't know. It, and now, Bill O'Brien, you're you had, you're more reluctant to run at this point. You have one you have one running back left. So regardless of the game point going into New Mexico State, you leave that game with one back that you feel confident in. Can Trey Sanders give you reliable touches? Yeah, maybe, but you're not gonna put Jamoy Kennedy and Christian Leary in it in a, at least seriously into a game at the running back spot. So now, if you're Bill O'Brien, I mean, you already had a little depth problem before going to the game at running back. Now you have an even more of a problem. 
So, I mean, like, what do you do? And at this point, you just think, man, my best option is to let the probably the guy who's going to win the Heisman Trophy sit back in the pocket and throw it in. Going back to Lester's point, I mean, what would this team look like without Bryce Young? Uh, yeah, Bryce is a big part of it, but I, I'll go ahead and tell you what this team would look like with Bryce Young, but without Jamison Williams, it would this offense would be set back to 2009, uh, 08, 09 type of games. Without J-Mo, without a guy stretching the field, dude, I'm not sure that even with Bryce how good this offense would be. So um, they're going to have to work – you're going to – they're going to have to be able to at least have the threat of the run game. Balance, um, to me, isn't just – it isn't 50-50 play call, and it's can you run it. And I still think at some point they're going to have to line up and get some gritty yards running the football. I mean, Robbie Utz is getting blown up on a second and goal from the one – third and goal from the one, and B-Rob's having to fight off two guys to get into the end zone against New Mexico State. It's not ideal, but it's just where this team is. It's where this offensive line is, and – Maybe Bill O'Brien's thinking, man, we've got to air it out to win. Yeah, you look at the stats, and I think it's only, you know, 10 or 11 run plays, called run plays in the first half. And, uh, you know, Bryce, 24, 25 dropbacks, whatever. Um, you know, kind of like a three-to-one ratio pass to run. And it's not something that you're used to seeing. And, and Lester, honestly, man, what I told y'all, I said it looks a lot like 2018 where – you know, they, they, you had Damian Harris, you, you, had a, you had a good running back, but <clears throat> maybe an offensive line that wasn't tremendous at run blocking. You didn't have a lot of maulers up front. You had more finesse of a finesse offensive line as does Alabama this year. And then you had a quarterback who was a gunslinger. Now, of course, in, in 2018, you had, you know, Ruggs and, and Waddle and Devonta and Judy. You know, you had all these receivers. In 2021, you don't have that. You got JMO, you got John, and – uh you know, that's really about it. Uh, the tight ends have yet to show up. And, uh, you know, we don't throw to the running backs like we did last year. Slade Bolden's ineffective. So, still looking for that third wide receiver to step up. Hopefully, they can get it this weekend. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, you're starting to see, though, that mentality of, well, hell, if we're not going to get any production on the ground, let's just air it out. I have a better chance of, of putting of moving the ball downfield if I throw it every time. And, uh, and and so, Lester, what's your opinion on this? Is this something that you're okay with seeing, or is it or is it something that that you you're not okay with, and you would like to see Alabama focus more on the ground event? Yeah, I I don't like it at all. Point blank, period. I I, I don't believe in being a one dimensional team, despite how well and how efficient they can throw the ball. Now, notice we're saying this after New Mexico State. You know what I mean? I would hope they look great. I would hope Bryce broke his own record. You know what I mean? I would hope J-Mo can have three touchdowns. But, man, I, I just I – just, I, I don't see it working out long-term against a good team who can match you player for player across the field. You know what I mean? What are they going to do when they double up J-Mo? What, what are you going to do then? What are you going to do when you can't run against a four-man box because Jordan Davis is taking up three offensive linemen? I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when he's doubled? You can't run. Um, I mean, I guess we can have a little bit of faith in um, Mechie, but where, where, where are your other, you know, one, two um, wide receiver threats from the outside? Where are they? Like you said, the tight ends haven't showed up. We don't know what we're going to get for them day in or week in or week out bro th- what if what if what if billsley drops that ball in the end zone against georgia or against auburn like you know you can run the same play and catch the touchdown again against new mexico state you can't do that in the playoff you can't do that in the sec championship you can't do that against auburn so there there's there's problems i mean it seems like we find another problem every week and they're just as important they're just as serious as we go on throughout the season, it's coming nut-cutting time where perfect football is going to have to be played. If, if it ain't perfect, it's going to have to damn near be 90, 95, 96, 97, 98% perfect. And I'm just not seeing it yet. I, I, I don't like them being one-dimensional. Um, you know, running back injuries is, is kind of taking us toll. Thank God for B-Rob. I think that guy's a workhorse. 
he's highly underrated. Um, hopefully, we can see a little bit of Trey Sanders and how he does, and hopefully, he continues, you know, producing get better. But you know, as far as being the one dimensional, I, I don't, I don't like it at all. Well, I mean, I, I think it's it's what we talked about last week is it, it, nobody's going to step up at that their receiver role. And, and JL, do you think it's slightly possible? And Nick Saban's not one for playing mind games, but. He's mellowed out a lot this year. We can all tell that. He's not chewing as much ass, uh, whether it's in the media or on the sidelines or whatever. Um, he's he's mellowed out a lot. Um, it's almost like he's enjoying the game a lot more, I guess you could say. And uh, but do you maybe maybe what if what if he's just playing mind games with Kirby? And you you know, we get to play Georgia, and then all of a sudden. Billingsley has 10 catches. Latu has 10 catches. They just erupt. Is there a chance of that happening? Because you claim, you claim that Bill O'Brien has a quote, a bag of, I am guessing a bag of tricks, a bag of new plays. So go into depth of what you mean there. And, uh, and, and what are the chances that maybe Saban is saving that? And he, maybe he was going to save it for Auburn. But now with Bo Nix going down, you're more than likely going to face TJ Finley over there, which is a hell of a lot less scary, um, even in even in Jordan Hare over there. And uh, so, so I mean, what are the chances? Do you think that if that Bill O'Brien quote gets into his bag, you know, he's just saving it for Georgia? I'm not saying that Bill O'Brien is saving the bag, but everybody has something in the bag, dude. You cannot tell me somebody who's been an NFL GM, head coach, and play caller doesn't have a bag like uh, to me it's just crazy to think that it can't be this simple for Alabama it can't be Bryce dropping back three verts and hoping to God that our offensive line holds up like that can't be it it can't be that Slade Bolton is one of the best four receivers three receivers on this team like that can't be in the bag and what is the bag guys the bag is something that you use when you have to use it and I think you know you have when you have to use it, you know in advance, so you can prepare to use the bag. You can't pull out the bag against Texas AM when you're in trouble in the third quarter. The bag had to be pulled out the week prior. And um I'm just I just gotta think that he has a bag. Like, hey, you know who was in his bag for a quarter last week? Mike Bobo. He was in his damn bag. He emptied the bag, and that's all that was in it was those four touchdown drives. That's it. That's the only thing that was in the bag. But Bill O'Brien's got to have a bag. He's got to have something that's that's just a little off. We hear about all this LSU's defense running six different formations through four quarters and, and running stuff that they never run. And we hear about Jimbo Fisher having four mate having motions in like nine different formations when he only had motion out of two formations prior to the the A and M game. Like that's a bag. Jimbo Fisher got in his bag in that game. And it helped his quarterback. I think Bill O'Brien's got one of those. When do you see it? Um, it's probably Georgia because Alabama's not losing this Saturday. I don't care if they win at 28-27. That's good enough for me. It gets this Arkansas team to clinch the West, go in and take care of business at uh, in Jordan-Hare Stadium. But there is a bag. He's going to use it. I thought it was really cool or maybe a little strange to see as soon as Joe Gerlore goes down, Ja'Cory Brooks is in the game, and Slade is on the sidelines. I think you kind of felt like O'Brien wanted to put an emphasis on another receiver to get legitimate reps in a real game situation where you knew they couldn't go out there and mess it up. And uh, Ja'Cory Brooks is out there on the next possession. Meniscus tear for Earl. Here's Ja'Cory Brooks. So, to me, man, he wants to get some of these guys going. To me, I'm not sure why he can't. Is the system too hard? Is the offense too tough to learn? Is that why the offensive line is struggling? but they're going to have to have another guy. And to Lester's point, or maybe to your point, they had to throw that ball back to Jaleel Billings. They have to get that guy going. They know that they have to have a tight end to be a mismatch on some linebackers down the stretch this year. And they just haven't done that, quite frankly, since Cam Loftu did it against Florida in the first quarter. They have to have a linebacker be a legitimate threat to catch the football or this team's going to be in trouble. If you had this offense, J-Law, what would your bag be? What, what would you – Change, talking about the personnel, talking about you, you've got to play Slade. Because, I mean, I, I don't think that Saban's going to run somebody out against Georgia or on the road against Auburn that has not gotten a lot of reps. So it looks like it's going to be Slade. So if you've got, you know, 1-8, 18, 81, and 19, 
And then for a running back, what would your back consist of? I really just think it's as simple as doing things, different formations or, or you get away from your tendencies, right? This is what, cause Kirby's throwing it up. Every time they're in formation, they run the, one of these three plays you got and, and Alabama and Mac and Q were talking about it after that loss to A&M. Every time A&M was in a certain formation, they, they disregarded all tendencies that they had all year. They ran new plays out of new formations, got our defense off balance. You forced the defense to do something to bust. And I'm not, it's not all personnel being in the bag. Also, Alabama's not ran a screen. They have not ran a trick play this year. There's a lot of things that, to me, have been a, even even of the Sark, Dable, um, Sark the time before, and Kiffin. Man, the screen was always pretty. It always worked. Guys are getting upfield. They haven't done a lot of that. And I think that Bill O'Brien and this and Nick Saban and Wiggins, who's the assistant head coach on the offensive side of the ball, man, they know that they're going to have to have some form of creativity uh, to – to overcome what is probably the best team in the in the country in Georgia. And Lester's been saying it, dude. Demopolis's DC isn't isn't scared. Not scared. This isn't not personnel scared, but he isn't scared of the offense that Alabama's running because if they had the same guys, they'd be able to stop it. So there's got to be something more than what's happening on the field for Alabama. And if there's not, yeah, it, it could be a long ride in Atlanta. Lester, moving over to the defensive side of the ball, Alabama gives up the field goal early to Mexico State. They're actually trailing three to nothing in the game, but uh, end up giving up under 140 yards, uh, only nine yards rushing once you, you know, take away the sack yards. Um, quietly, this defense over this home stretch, you know, Tennessee, uh, LSU, and now New Mexico State has been very good. Um, you know, Tennessee – Fast pace, explosive, big play offense, uh, quick, quick strike. Did have some bust, but, uh, you know, played really well to end the game. And then LSU uh, only even up 14 points, um, did a really good job in that game. And now this game, I know it's an inferior opponent, but still solid performance from the defense. Talk about in the ways in which they've improved, whether maybe it just it, it's run fits, which is pretty – you know, obvious, you know, against Texas A&M, they're really breaking down how we weren't run fit and right. Same thing against Florida when they ran forever 250 on us. So uh, no busted coverages against Mexico State. But, uh, you know, they did hit some one. well, they did hit some pass plays on us. And, and secondary is just not good. Uh, it's not. So, I mean, talk about how Alabama's improved and then talk about where they need to work on, which is obviously the secondary. Yeah. Um. Yeah, secondary is going to be downfall of that defense. I mean, if 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 the secondary can just hold it down, just hold it down three or four seconds, or you know, get a hand on somebody coming out and snap the ball. Basically, what I'm saying is give Will Anderson a little bit of time to hunt down the quarterback and decapitate his ass, and and things will be okay most of the time. But they can't do that. It's it's they're physically incapable of holding down a defense I, and this new mexico state why are they why why was new mexico state driving the ball on this defense that that that's the question why it's the secondary if you can't give you know um henry t and you know christian harris and will anderson and those other guys drew sanders and those guys up front time to do their work it's going to be a long day every team we play against, clearly. And just, I don't know, this isn't this isn't year one of Pete Golding's defense. It is year three, four, however long he's been there. And there's guys playing now who's been in this system multiple years, and they're still screwing up on the back end. I, I wish I understood it, and I don't. Like, why is this happening? I don't, I don't, I don't get it. But you know, thank God Georgia can't throw the ball. I, what you were texting us Saturday watching Georgia, what defend forty yards wide and ten yards deep, and you, you can beat Georgia because they're they're not going they're not going to go beyond that. So maybe that'll that'll you know luck up and you know give us a fighting chance against them. But you know, we'll end we'll since a monster. Good lord, that guy. I'm, I can't say enough about him. Um, what's the secondary will help him out so he can get more time to get to the quarterback. But 
defense defense is getting better. They're getting better. Um, I think, you know, hopefully if you can beat Georgia in the SC championship game, um, you know, you have a month off to get ready for the playoffs, you know, they can reset, take some time, go over some stuff, melt some stuff down, cut down mistakes, and, you know, hopefully have a, you know, successful playoff. J-Law, it seems like this defense this year is running more zone than we've seen Alabama run in the past. And I want to say maybe we brought this up last year, but when you run zone, is that because of Golding not trusting his guys to man up well enough? Because we saw early in the year a lot of uh, pass interference flags came out. Um, Josh Joe, you know, Jalen Armadale, whoever it was, uh, a lot of pass interferences. It seems like Alabama's running more zone. Is it because he doesn't trust the guys in man, or does he not trust the front four to stop the run? Does that make it, or maybe it's a little of both? What What do you think is the reason that Alabama is running more zone than usual? Uh, well, I mean, he played a lot of spread teams, so let's let's throw that out there. I mean, how many guys do you? How many guys does Pete Golding have that he feels confident in? to say, all right, man, oh, man, here we go. I maybe feels confidence in uh, confident in uh, Job. Other than that, like, who is he looking at that says, all right, you got him? I mean, so to me, it's a little bit of that. But always, you know, Nick Saban always sits. They, or Pete Golding's joke was, Nick Saban's always in my ear saying, we're playing too much man. We're playing too much man. We're playing too much man. And, and you always tell us this. It's not – this isn't Pete Golding's defense. This is Nick Saban's defense. And Pete Golding's just calling the plays inside of the game. And uh, but I also think that you know when you play zone, if you can disguise what you're doing, you should be able to confuse the quarterback, cause some turnovers, give your pass rush a little bit longer to get back to the quarterback. Um, but Alabama's problem is they can't cover the zones. They're busting the zones. I don't know if the scheme is too tough, if they're you know they're just not able to get lined up, not get the call in. But it, man, if if it works, if you if you run it to perfection, you know it's going to turn out well for you. When you're letting guys run right by you, DeMarco Hellams, Daniel Wright, Malachi Moore, you know, you're, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. So, uh, and I think a little bit of it is the run defense, but how about that run defense now? It, run defense, I think they're in the top, what, the top three in the SEC now just behind Texas A&M. The top five total defense in the country. They're giving up less than, is it less than 90 rush yards per game overall? Maybe just over 90 against power five. Teams like, Dude, they're not giving up 100 rush yards a game. And since that Florida game, they've been pretty pretty stout across the defensive front. You know, a little lapse there against Texas A&M, but that's because Jimbo was in his bag in that game. But, you know, um, I, I, I like this defense, man. We give them a lot of crap. The boneheaded plays is what kills you. Like the, 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 the Georgia-Tennessee game. Tennessee scored 17 legitimate points on, on Georgia. They did. Man, Tennessee scored three legitimate points against Alabama. That's it. I mean, do you have three busts that go for three touchdowns? If you don't do that, man, what, what are people saying about Bama right now? A 52 to 10 win over Tennessee, Georgia struggles with. I mean, that's like, that's, I think that's what kind of upsets more people than anything. It's not that you just gave up some points, it's not that somebody beat you on a play. You just got guys running wide open for touchdowns, and that's been the story of this Alabama defense in a lot of big games this year. Yeah, Hooker also missed some throws against Georgia that he just dropped in there. Uh, you know, even even the one where, where Josh Joe wasn't even paying attention, he still that was just a perfect throw. He hit the guy in stride. If he doesn't hit him in stride, then then he gets tackled there, and you know they probably get held to a field goal, or whatever. But uh, yeah, Alabama only gave up one more touchdown than, than Georgia did, and um, I know Tennessee's final touchdown came in the fourth quarter, but you know Georgia still had starters in the game. So <clears throat> it, you know, I, I I'm not ready to compare and break down that game yet because. I, I guess the Texas A&M game still in my mind because we kind of, you know, wrote that one off as a win as well. And I know we're playing at home this week, but this Arkansas team is very good. And they have some weapons. Traylon Burks, K.J. Jefferson is very tough to bring down. He's a big-bodied guy. So, Lester, moving into this game, um, what do you – what? how do you kind of expect this game to go? But I think Alabama's like a 20-and-a-half-point favorite. So, they're expecting it, you know, 42-21, 42-20 kind of, kind of game, 41-20. Uh, 
So, <clears throat> Lester, tell me how you think this game was going to go, and and uh, how do you how do you defend uh, KJ Jefferson and, and and a guy like Traylon Burks? But you know, Arkansas does a really good job of running the ball too. So, uh, talk about how, how you would how you would defend this offense, what Alabama has to do to to shut it down. You know, like Georgia did. Yeah, stop the run first and foremost. Stop the run. Uh, with so much finesse going on in college football nowadays, you r- rarely come up against a team who is good or dominantly can run the football. And Arkansas has that potential. You know, Arkansas, they were really hyped up, you know, early in the year, talking about, you know, beating the heck out of people, just physically dominating people. Um, they have a really, really, like, a big team physically. Um, so, you know, Tackle with your ass this week. You're going to have to bring your pads and come ready to thump somebody because Arkansas is going to bring it. They're going to try to run down our throats. Um, KJ Jefferson is a threat. Um, you always worry about guys like this, always. You know, running quarterbacks give turn Saban's hair grayer than what is going right now. Um, Got to be ready to defend the run. Got to be ready to defend the run from KJ Jefferson and whoever else. It doesn't matter. Um, at this point in the season, there should be no surprises. Everybody's bought the excuse of such and such has ran this that we've never seen before. Well, you know what? Prepare for it. Whatever it is, Arkansas has nothing to lose. You know, they can easily play spoiler to Alabama this week. Prepare for it. It don't matter what it is. If it's the triple option, the wing T, whatever it is, I don't want to hear any excuses come next week. Well, they ran something we've never seen before. That should not happen. Absolutely should not happen. So whatever, just just be prepared for it. You know, it's kind of too late in the season to, you know, determine whether you're soft or not. But you can't be soft against Arkansas because if you are, they're going to run you tail over. So I just hope they're ready. You know, Henry T, Christian Harris, somebody spy, KJ Jefferson or whatever, and no busted coverages. If they do that, this game, this game shouldn't be hard. It should not be. But, you know, there's no reason why Bryce can't, you know, blow these guys up. So. You know, just play within yourself, play sound football, and just get after it. I look for them to uh, take a lot of shots to Traylon Birch, you know, trying to get a big body on a little body on the, ed- on the edge. Um, but, you know, J-Log, Sam Pittman's done a great job. I mean, this is year two. This guy is sitting at seven and three, and he's a failed two-point conversion away from beating Ole Miss and being eight and two. Uh, these guys are eight and two. You're looking at a top 15 team right now. And uh, so – I, it's it's not – it's a game really that everybody's overlooking if you think about it. I mean, you said earlier, you know, you're not going to lose Saturday, and I think it helps that you have something to play for finally because you got a, a, a clinching game because um, if you win this one, then the Iron Bowl doesn't matter. But, uh, you know, for playoff purposes it does because uh, I'm not sure what the committee's going to do. I think the committee becomes more and more unpredictable every week. But uh, you don't want to put it in their hands. You don't want to leave it up to them. You, you want to leave no doubt. And so if you're Alabama, you really need to win these next three uh, in order to, to secure your spot in the playoff and, and be peaking at the right time, so to speak. So this Arkansas bunch, you know, they're really close to being eight and two. They're sitting there seven and three, you know, number 21 in the country coming in. How important is it for – I mean, I mean, well, it's important every week. But like we talked about, is this the week – I'm going to I'm going to start asking that every pocket. Is this the week that Alabama has somebody else step up? Because there's no better time than the present. Right. You know what you've done. The previous 10 games is over. And I know we haven't gotten any production from the tight ends, uh, you know, except for lots on the goal lines made some good plays. But we haven't gotten any any. You know, help from a third receiver. Is this the week it happens? You know, I'm not sure if it is or not because I'm not – I don't really trust Bill O'Brien to run out any type of different personnel uh, onto the field, especially in a game where this is a game, to me, if you try something and it doesn't work and you lose, it looks way worse than doing what you've been doing when you've been winning, although it hasn't looked pretty the whole time and you go out and win. But, you know, I was listening to a sports radio guy this week. I can't remember who it was, but he was essentially saying, you know, if Alabama beats Arkansas – too badly it actually it would it would benefit Alabama more to beat Arkansas by 10 at home they would stay inside of the college football playoff uh top 25 
And then Alabama would be the only team in the country with three college football playoff top 25 wins. So if you go out, you blow the door of Arkansas, they fall out of the college football playoff top 25. That would really hurt Alabama going down the stretch because there is still a, a really good chance, guys, that if Alabama has three top 25 college football playoff wins, goes into the SEC title game with just one loss, that uh, even if they lose to Georgia, that their resume and strength of schedule and game control metrics and the whole nine yards would be good enough that you would still put them in over snap and that there's disarray on the back end of this thing that Alabama can still find their way in. But diving into this how do you stop Jefferson, man? Get him in your grasp. You can't miss the tackle. We've got a couple linebackers that are sometimes look to me a little scared to tackle, or at least they can't tackle sometimes. So you're going to have a lot of emphasis on your defensive ends this week. You don't want to get too far upfield. You don't want K.J. Jefferson to break away. But this is still a steel defense. This is the defense that gave Alabama the most trouble. Think about that, and that was with all those weapons. So Alabama's just got to roll into this game. They got to do what they do, and uh, and uh, hopefully, you know, if there is somebody else that could step up, that'd be great. But I'm just not so sure that this is the week to try to do something a little different uh, and let it backfire. Yeah, and, and I know that you're down to basically one running back and uh, Brian Robinson, but like, like you just talked about. I look at this game a lot like Ole Miss. Uh, they run the same type defense. It's a, it's a bend, don't break. You know, keep everything in front of us. We're not going to give up the big play. You're going to have to get four, five, six yards of carry. And I think that's exactly what Alabama does. I look for this to be a lower scoring game. Um, you know, I look for, I mean, possibly B-Rob to have, you know, 25, 30 carries, a lot, a lot like what he did against Ole Miss. And uh, I think they can find some success. I think that Alabama is, is better up front than Arkansas. I know the offensive line hasn't been great, but I think they're better than Arkansas's defensive line. And uh, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if this game ends up being the same score as the Ole Miss game, that 42-21 to 21 score. Um, but with KJ, I, I'm the opposite of you, J-Law. I think that the best way to defend him is to come after him because – He's not great under pressure. He doesn't make quick decisions. And uh, if you put a lot of heat on him to where he can't roll and can't escape, have your defense fly out field, but then fill their gaps with linebackers and make sure you bring six or seven guys and man up and just maybe maybe bracket Traylon Burks, maybe, you know, cover or throw a shadow over him on the back end, whatever you got to do. A lot of cover one blitzes. Uh, maybe you have a free that can play wherever he is. And then just tell your guy, you know, defend against the slant. I got help on the uh, on the on the back shoulder, the deep ball. Um, so I, I think you you really got to come after him, and I think you got to make him make quick decisions on the road in a hostile environment. He's not going to be able to hear very well um, as long as uh, you know everybody shows up and does what they're supposed to, fan wise. But uh, you know, I think you go after him when, if you're at home, uh, and I think that that's one thing that Pete Golden's going to do. And uh, I look for Alabama really to, like Lester said, stop the run first, and the blitz will help with that as well. And then whenever you get into obvious passing downs, your third and eights, third and nines, I think you see a lot of gas. And uh, I think that's the best way to play against a quarterback like K.J. Jefferson, who's he's mobile, but it's more of a Ben Roethlisberger type mobile to where you just you just can't tackle him. He, he just he throws off defensive ends and linebackers with ease, and uh, you really got to wrap him up to get him on the ground. So. If you hit him with two or three guys, I think that's the that's the best way to to pressure him. And uh, you know, don't don't get one on one matchups. Not saying he's going to break, you know, Will Anderson's tackle, but you never know. Maybe Drew Sanders if he gets him wrapped up, he's just going to kind of shimmy him, shimmy away from him, and and just make him slide off. He's he's done that a lot. Did a lot against LSU last week. But um, guys, that that's basically the Arkansas game. You know, I, I'm going to predict that. 42-21, tied wins. Um, other than that, you know, we've covered New Mexico State. Everybody knows about the offensive line issues. Chris Owen sucks. No production from the tight ends. No third receiver. Bryce Young's a phenom. Like Lester said earlier, it, it's, it's the same thing every week. So, is there anything else that you would like to cover that we haven't so far on the Arkansas game, Lester, or just the season in general? What you got? No, that's pretty much it. I'm, I'm go, I'm, I am going to go ahead and predict a 38-20 Bama victory. Um, I, th I think, I think, 
Arkansas was up 20. But, you know, of course, with this high-flying offense now, since B.O.B. can't run the ball, um, Bryce will take us to more than enough points to score and beat Arkansas. J-Law, basketball season, a little basketball time. I uh, Oh, guys, listen, I, I hate to say this. I'm going to admit it over the podcast, and I'm gonna, I might get a lot of fog comments about this, but I fell asleep at halftime of the basketball game Tuesday night, and uh, I'm, I'm ashamed for doing it. I was really tired. I was working all day, and uh, so fell asleep. Alabama beat South Alabama 73 to 68, was it? Um, uh, and, and, you know, Shaq, leading scorer, him and Keon, I believe, had 18. Shaq had five turnovers. I did hear a couple of those. I think Alabama had like 14 turnovers in the first half, ended up with 22. Um, so cleaned it up a little bit in the second half, but not as efficient as you'd like to be. Lester, what have you seen from this basketball team early on? I've seen potential what this team can be. Uh, when, they're, when they're firing on all cylinders, it is pretty basketball. It is wonderful basketball. It is, it is ball movement. It is, you know, threes, dunks, fun, exciting. And what's so cool is watching them devastate people on the defensive end. We've seen this team put together a complete game and look great, look Sweet 16, Elite 8, you know, a team that can make a deep run. And I am glad that the game against South Alabama happened. That game, that was a game that was tough. It was hard. Um, things weren't going right. Shots weren't falling. You know, turning the ball over, extremely sloppy basketball. I mean, Oates got so pissed off and fired up. I mean, I thought the guy was going to get tossed. Thank God for Brian Hodgson and Petway for holding them back, but he was pretty fired up um, Tuesday night. But to say all that, they faced a lot of adversity, but they came out with a win. Um, I'm not so sure you could say that about other teams in the past going through a game like that and still persevering to win in the end. You know what I mean? So seeing that, them having a game like that early where you have to buckle down where you have to focus, where you have to play, you know, for periods of time, really sound basketball to come away with the win. Um, I'm glad they had that in game three. You know, they've, they've been through that situation now when it comes up, you know, later on in the season. So, yeah, really, I, I think, you know, it was ugly. It was but ugly at times, of course. But I will sure that is their most impressive win this year for sure. Yeah, and, uh, you know, USA had some players, man. They had transfers from, you know, I think Texas A&M, LSU, a couple of Auburn guys that transferred in. And so they, they weren't slouches. And, uh, you know, dude, this Alabama schedule, let's talk about this for a second because you got to play Oakland on Friday night in Coleman Coliseum. You know, they lost by seven to West Virginia. They beat Oklahoma State. Uh, they just beat Toledo. But, you know, listen to the amount of points they're giving up. You're talking about 60 to West Virginia, 55 to Oklahoma State, and 59 to Toledo. That is uh, that is an, an incredibly efficient from the defensive side of the floor. And, uh, and so this Oakland team, once again, the fourth quality opponent for Alabama in a row. And then, you know, not just that, then, then you've got to, you know, for this, uh, for this Alabama team, you've got to go play Iona. You're going to have to play Gonzaga. You're going to have to play Houston, Memphis. This non-conference schedule for Alabama is brutal. And, uh, you know, if, if these, these teams, it's like usually in basketball, if you drop a couple in the non-conference, you're like, okay, you know, I can see. For Alabama, man, every single game is very important because these are really good teams. And Nate Oates obviously did this for a reason because the SEC is very good. And it's a grueling schedule in itself. And so he wanted to uh, to help his tournament chances by generating a very tough non-conference schedule, and he got just that. So uh, talk about the schedule that Alabama's got to play and talk about this Oakland game coming up. Lester, are you there? 
Yeah, I mean, J Law still in there. Okay. Man, J Law is actually—he texted me and said he disconnected. His uh, his yeah. Wi-Fi is being kind of spotty on him, so he just bounced out of here. I told him we're gonna get five ten minutes of basketball talk, and we'll be out of here. So, so he's good. Cool, cool, cool. Well, yeah, um, great. You know, great for I think those was having a little bit of, you know, second guessing himself with some of his comments about the schedule, you know, leading up to the season. But, but they persevered thus far. Um, geez, man, they they have a sim a season similar to, you know, have a similar win total of you know last year, and man, you look at a one seed, a one seed in the tournament, which would be great. So, you know, I think this team is is what makes it special is they're so versatile. A big lineup, a small lineup. You have multiple big guys who can rotate in and out. Bediaco is a freak. He's finally the big man in the center that we've been looking for or needing for, for years. I mean, some of the passes that he's made on assists and, you know, they'll dump the ball in the paint. And he'll just whip it right back out to the guy wide open in the corner for a three. I mean, that's special. For that only come from a freshman, someone who's going to get better and better as the year goes along. Um, got a little banged up, you know, hopefully they'll clear up soon. Nothing special. Um, Gurley got a little going, um, a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, look for him to continue to get a little bit more comfortable in the system in, in Tuscaloosa. So, so yeah, um, I think this team will, of course, they're going to drop some games, but this team is truly special and talented. I think they're going to fare better in this schedule than most people are assuming. I, yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, I, and you know, Alabama's a really good basketball team, man. And I think Gurley, as far as his slow start, slowish start, um, I think he's got to he's got to play with himself. He's got to know his role. He can't be in there, you know, throwing up fall away hook shots. He can't be in there shooting three pointers. Um, I don't care if you hit him in practice. Everybody hits him in practice. But obviously, when he steps on the floor, at least through three games, you know, he hasn't shown that he can hit them. And uh, <clears throat> so he, he kind of needs to reel that back in unless they're just leaving him wide-ass open. If he's got a guy even close to him and he just needs to, to work the ball through the offense a little bit more. Um, you know, like you said about Betty Yaka, I think his hands are great. Big guy with very soft hands receiving the basketball. He catches some really tough passes in the paint that you would see either coming off a deflection or, you know, whenever they catch it, they drop it, stone hands. Um, or, or, you know, get it swiped away. And uh, he's strong with the basketball for a skinnier guy, uh, a lankier guy, and, and he's got very soft hands. And, and J.D. didn't play his best, but I think his spark coming off the bench is huge. Everybody can can see the explosiveness right away and, and the, the kind of uh, depth that he brings from that second one or two guard slot. And uh, – I think his as his minutes increase and he gets the, the feel for the college game a little bit more, he's going to be a fantastic player, even if we only have him for one year. Chat's got to stop turning the ball over. Um, I still like him better off the catch and shoot, man. Uh, he, he, he's shooting the ball really well from the outside. Keon, two out of five again from the arc on Tuesday night. So he he's going to continue to shoot it well. He didn't start hot, but uh, he finished strong. And, you know, it's just everywhere you look, in this Alabama basketball roster, there's just there's no holes, and until James Rojas comes back, there won't be a hole. Now, whenever he's on the floor, Alabama's going to be at its worst, and that's just the way it is. You can say what you want, and when he comes back, he's going to play because he's a senior. And uh, Oates and Hudson love him for some reason. I'm sure he tries hard, but you know, uh, that's just uh, I, it. Only goes so far with me. But anyway, yeah, you know, at some point you got to put the best five on the floor, the best rotation on the floor that's going to give you a chance to win. So, anyway, we'll discuss that whenever he gets back, I believe, in January. But, you know, Jawan Gary's uh, injury uh, is it, not serious. That's always good to hear. Um, I would I would guess he sits out mm, Friday night, definitely, and uh, maybe, maybe the tournament that we're playing next week. Um, but, you know, we'll see how he's doing and – to get him back would be big because you can sub him for Gurley. <laughs> Excuse me. Whenever Gurley is is struggling, you can you can get him off the floor and get Gary in the game. He's going to give you give you a boost and a spark. Um, but team's good, man, and and it's good to have these close games after two double digit victories to open the season. It's good for Alabama to 
to play a team that was considered the worst opponent of the three teams they had played so far this season. Uh, I think they were like a 21-point favorite, 20-and-a-half-point favorite, only one by five. So that's good to kind of refocus and, and re-hum- or humble yourself and, and you know, bring that focus back in and say, you know, every game we have to come play no matter who the opponent is. Facts, facts. One thing I would like to see against teams like this is Bama dictate the pace a little bit more. I, th- I think sometimes we kind of fall into, you know, pacing and, and you know, kind of kind of slow it down when we're going against teams like this. Um, zone still gives them problems. Um, but of course, you can't really, you know, dictate the pace of the shots aren't falling. You know what I mean? So, you know, one time I, I, I want to see Bama against a team who's really, really good defensively, but Bama's hot. You know what I mean? You know, hot enough to fluster them. Because I feel like watching Bama, you can just see the frustration oozing out of Oats, oozing out of the team sometimes. Now, granted, they had the perseverance to, you know, still come back and win it. But you know, you get a team that's a little bit more talented than, you know, South Alabama. And, you know, that game can go either way. So, you know, just something to look forward to, you know, think about going forward is, you know, when you're facing teams that, that aren't going to run a gun with you. Yeah, and as far as defensive pressure, I think that's a good job. It's a good coaching job by South Alabama. And that's, you know, that's one thing that I said last year a couple of times is, you know, if you want, if you want to slow down a team, defend the first pass. And they actually picked the ball from Shaq a couple of times early in the game on Tuesday by doing that, you know, inbound pass or an outlet pass. Whenever the first guy gets it, whenever the first guy catches the outlet pass or the inbounds pass, you know he's going to run. And so if you jump him, then you've got a good chance of causing a turnover. He's not expecting you to be there. His eyes are moving up floor or up the floor. And he's not really paying attention to what's right in front of him. And so if you jump a guy, you've got a, a good chance to get a, a, an easy steal. And uh, they did that a couple of times. So I think I would – I mean, I think you're going to see more teams do that just to slow down Alabama's pace. You don't have to run a full-court man-to-man press. Um, you, but, you know, everybody's usually in man-to-man anyway. So if your guy is getting the outlet pass – um, and you're available, you know, if you weren't on the other side or whatever, then just go jump him and, uh, and slow it down and make him, you know, hold up and, and kind of reset himself and regather himself. You might get a traveling call. You might get an easy turnover, a deflection, whatever. And so I think South Alabama did that. And so sometimes Alabama's not going to be able to pay to play at the pace that they want to. And I think that's where the half court comes in. I think that's where Betty Ako can be really big because he can give you help on the offensive glass and you get him work, you know, involved down the block, you know, the, the drive and dish. I think Q can really get to the rack anytime he wants to. I think JD can, can do the same when he's in the game. And I think Keon can also. And so I think the half court is a lot more important for Alabama this year because when you have a lot of shooters and you can drive and kick and the way they move and slide to the corners and slide up to the top of the key and everything off the drive, I think that can be big for them. Facts, all the makings of a team that can be deadly, man. You can't just key in on one guy to stop. So I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to this little tournament that they got coming up what, mm-hmm. around Thanksgiving next Friday, um, Thursday, Friday next week, late next week. So It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Um, so glad we have Oats in Tuscaloosa, which I wish Saban would get a little bit of Oats fired this. You know what I mean? Oh. Oh, no. Did I, I say that? I mean, the guy, he, 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 the fire is what got him here, man. Yeah, it's, for sure. Yeah. I'm not saying that Saban's just kicked back enjoying life because I think, I think he still takes it very serious. I just think that. You have to really adapt in this generation of kids. And I know y'all have heard me say that a lot, but it is so true. And I had the privilege to be around a lot of high school kids now. And I mean, it is a hundred percent true. You really can't dog them out anymore. And I understand you have some alphas, you know, like Alabama's had like last year, you know, Matt Jones, you could get into his ass, Uh, Najee, Leatherwood, you know, the dudes, you know your dudes, right? You know your dogs that you can really push and really stay on, and that's how they perform better. But 
90%, I want to say, of kids nowadays at all levels are just, they just don't react to that. They're more likely to shut down on you. So I think it's, it's saving. I mean, of course, when you get older, you mellow out more. Um, you see that with a lot of older coaches at, at all levels. Uh, I had a high school coach, you know, whenever, whenever I was playing for him in high school, he was very strict. You know, you couldn't wear your hat backwards. You couldn't listen to rap music in, in, in pregame. You know, you couldn't spat your cleats. You couldn't wear visors. You could do your eye black only a certain way. You know what I'm saying? And then my sister graduated two or three years after me. And as I would go back and watch other guys play, like the younger guys that play with me, the seventh and eighth graders, whenever I graduated, whenever they were on, on the varsity level, I would go back and like, you know, I'd ease in the locker room and hear nothing but rap music. They walk around with their hat backwards. They got cleats spatted up. They got eye black all over the place. And, and you know, and he, is, he wasn't necessarily old at the time, but, you know, you've got to change with the generation. And that's one thing that's made Nick Saban so successful is that he's been able to adapt not only to the kids, but, you know, to the offensive schemes or spread era, the no huddle, um, the defensive schemes that you have to run now. That's not what he was brought up coaching. You, most people don't understand how incredibly hard that is. This dude was taught the same philosophy on, you know, stop the run in the box. You know what I'm saying? Put eight, nine in the box. He, was, he did this for like 25 years, dude, 30 years. And now all of a sudden you've got – five guys in the box and they're all linemen and you got to cover four receivers and you got a quarterback that's just as fast as your running back. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, I can't imagine the stress that he's gone through and the, the adaptation that he's had to go through. Uh, but I, I think he's mellowed out. Sure. Because he is 70 years old, but I think also with this generation, you know, he's kind of, he kind of has to, I'm not saying that he's soft, but uh yeah, I mean, Oates, Oates shows a little bit more fire, but you won't ever see him really get on somebody's ass like you've seen Saban do in the past. Yeah, thanks. Just, just a little joke, joke to throw in there for a little bit, but that's all, that's all I got, man. All right, man, good deal. We'll wrap it up. Um, J-Law, I'm still going to include you in the closing. So episode 51, Gunbrunners Podcast, Chase Thornton, Jeremy Law, Lester Mitchell. Appreciate y'all, man. We're out of here. See you next week.